This is Live to Lead Radio, episode number one, A Daughter's Journey Through Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. Inspiring leaders want to break the excellence barrier by reaching greater heights. They are ready to unlock higher performance by expanding their horizons to capture sustained, desirable outcomes for both business and life application. But there's a problem. Many leaders today are tapped out, immobilized, and feel completely unfulfilled. Why? Because of unnecessary distraction and lack of the right support, leaving them completely off course. Live to Lead offers up the opportunity to gain insight, shift perspectives, and get inspired by listening to stories from everyday leaders just like you. I'm calling each and every one of you out right now to own your bold responsibility to lead powerfully today, tomorrow, and into the future. Are you with me? Good. Let's begin. Wow, it is here, episode number one. I am so excited because I've been thinking about the Live to Lead podcast for well over a year and a half. So to think it is finally here is is just so fun. It's so fun. I live in Lakeland, Florida, and right now it is... Uh, there's a pretty heavy thunderstorm out there and I that's one of my favorite types of weather I don't know it's always inspired me so I'm not sure if you can hear the roaring thunder I really hope you can but I think that's pretty sentimental for that to be taking place on the first episode so without further ado I am very proud and honored to announce my first guest Bruce Hassan from SBH Consulting Bruce is remarkably talented value-driven business leader commanding 30 years of progressive success in optimizing operational effectiveness, continually seeking to apply new techniques and best practices to improve business processes. He is hands-on and resourceful. He has an unwavering determination to execute relentlessly, doing whatever it takes. I really like that, doing whatever it takes because it's so true in business. To get the job done, contributing ethical leadership and influencing change. Bruce is solution-focused. He excels at collaboratively managing and implementing vision and strategic road mapping. He is so excited to be here today. But before we go and start chatting with Bruce, I'd like to give you a quick rundown of some of the experiences he has held. Not only is he a Marine veteran where he learned a lot of life skills, he also learned discipline. He held major positions and nationally recognized corporations such as general manager, plant manager, and vice president of operations. He is succeeding in his consulting business right now. And I think it's not on his resume, but I probably would say his biggest accomplishment is being an amazing dad. I'd like to welcome my dad, Bruce Hassan, to the show. Tune in now. So how's it going today? It's going just great. My eyes opened up, and at my age, that's the highlight of my day. <laughs> that's so true, right? Every day is a blessing. So I want to share one thing before we get into things today. I had my first personal training experience today. So I signed up for Monday and Friday, and I, I walked in to see my trainer, and I said, I think I'm going to do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And he says, well, let's just get through today because you'll be very sore, probably need all the week to recover. But anyway, I got to thinking how important it really is 
uh, to take care of yourself, you know, your mind, your body, all of that as business owners, because you are your business. And if something happens to you, then your business goes off course. What, what are your thoughts about that? It's an important aspect. Uh, I think business owners uh, don't think about because they're so busy, you know, working, you know, five, six days a week, multiple hours. They just don't understand that uh, mental health and physical health are very, very important. They have the stamina, you know, to run a business because they know, you know, a business is, you know, day to day, there's things going on all day long. Plus, it really, you know, it uh, it's an opportunity to get away from the business. It allows you, you know, just to uh, sort of recalibrate you know, recharge the batteries, if you can just focus on that, you know, uh, well-being, health, health and well-being. So true. So true. And, you know, when I think about it now, when I look back and probably for you too, when you look back to your corporate life and all, you know, I was doing a lot of the same things you were. I remember growing up as a kid and you were, you're jumping on one Delta flight to another. When you think back to how your health was when you were in the corporate setting compared to what it is being a business owner, what did it look like? Was it absolutely different? Yeah, it was run and gun, heyday of the 80s, you know, where it really started, you know, my corporate path. And it was just, as you say, in an airplane, uh, an awful lot. The diet, there was, uh, you know, training, health and well-being, there was not much of that around. So you just eat fast foods. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I remember, you know, pretty much that was my diet, heartburn all the time, uh, you know, just because of my diet. And I wish I knew what I know today you know, versus 20, 30 years ago, I would have balanced it out a little better in terms of what I ate and exercise. Because it clouds your thinking when you're not right. It clouds your you know, thinking. It really does. I mean, if you, because as you know, at the end of the day, which whatever that might be, it could be after 5 p.m. And the, the brain just doesn't work effectively if you don't get enough sleep and you haven't eaten right. And you get brain fog, which really causes you maybe to make, uh, you know, decisions you might not want to do or hurry into one. Right. When, I make, when I make them at all, you're just too worn out. Mm -hmm. And then you think about it. So you, you work all this time and you put in all this hours and you're advancing and you're bringing home a new title, a new paycheck. You're, you're, you're creating that lifestyle for your family. But at the end of the day, the energy is just not there. Well, that's it. All you, I remember all I could do is just get home and get to the couch and uh, eat and I was just out of it, you know, I was just so worn out, whatever that time might be. And you were forced to work Saturdays, every Saturday, just about, just to make up for what you didn't get done, you know, during the week, because you just didn't have the stamina. Oh, so true. I can remember when you would fall asleep with a dinner plate on your stomach. Yeah, well, that was to balance the food, so I'd have enough food in my plate. <laughs> right. I can remember when you were snoring, like, how is that plate staying right there? Um, but, but good stuff. So, yep, so I started that today, so that's very exciting. So you are my first guest on my first episode, and I'm really excited about that. A lot of people that know us know how important you've been and the catalyst you've been, you know, as far as it relates to my leadership journey. I can remember running 
coming out of meetings and offices and different things like that and having you on speed dial because I was just embarking upon my my leadership career early on and, and I was faced with a lot of things and it was so important for me to be able to have that person that you could go to and it was even greater that it was my dad. The same, same standpoint, you definitely gave me some spot on coaching tips and strategies. So I was going to ask you, you know, when people are embarking upon, and it doesn't even have to be new to leadership, but um, even new to a role, taking on a different level, how important do you think it is for somebody to have an accountability coach or a mentor available? You know, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's real important. It, you know, when I first started out, it was unthinkable to have a mentor or a coach because that would be a sign of weakness. Mm. You know, you just, you know, you were just expected to know everything and do everything and just get results. You know, so for, you know, somebody becoming a leader, we didn't call them leaders, it was just managers and supervisors in those days. You know, it was really tough. You really had to fend for yourself. You know, you when you got to be a supervisor, first line supervisor, that entry level from going from, let's say, working on the shop floor to finally becoming a member of the management team, you're you're really lost uh, because there's no such things in those days as supervisory training. I mean, there was just not a lot of that going on. And uh, I remember, you know, my role is more authoritative. It was a position, position leadership, I call it. People, they they follow you because they have to. They probably won't give you anything extra because you're the boss and if you don't do it, you know, you're going to tell you you're going to be fired, let's say. And it had to graduate. How do you become a, which we've talked about before, a servant leader? We're more supportive and developing people, making them successful. And that's how you really knock the cover off the ball of performance. Everybody's tugging at the same end of the rope rather than one person telling 20 or 30 people what to do every time of the day. It's just not effective. No, not at all. And when and when you look back to that type of um, experience and environment, you really put a, a limit to other people's capabilities. You're limiting them because they don't really get to navigate and, you know, go through what they can offer a company or their, you know, anything, if you think about it. Well, you stunt their growth. Because mm-hmm. you're not developing, and what you tend to do is you actually you, you almost hire people that you can control, versus uh, you know where you really have to hire or develop people smarter than you, so that they can keep pushing you, you know, so you can grow as well as they can grow. So right. that's what part of that authoritative management uh, does. No, it makes total sense. I I think about it when I think back. I remember in our in our early stages of me walking into the leadership world. I I have to take it back just a little bit. I don't know if you remember, but in the TV room in our house, I made that very very dirty cluttered closet and office. Do you remember that? Well, it wasn't that dirty. <laughs> oh, okay. It was pretty. Oh, I pretty. Know. I remember it was like a wasn't it like a, like a lean to in there. Yeah. Of- it was like this little desk, and I remember um, putting up a little sign that said Office of Kristen Hassan, and I was very proud of that office. And uh, I just remember and going to work with you on Saturdays, and I can remember I would time it just right, so I would hear the front door open, and I would run. And one of the first things you would say to me when you would say yes, which was often, um, but when you would say yes is you would look at my hair, and you would say, you're not going anywhere like that. 
I used to have that. I still remember that yellow jacket you used to have. Oh yeah, the used winter to jacket. Plowing in the cabin. You used to sleep in your clothes, or you used to. You must have got up early and got dressed because when I walked by you from the bathroom, the sheets the spreads were right up to your neck. But you came down like followed me out to the car and you were all dressed. Yeah, yeah. your hair, hair, hair went everywhere. Yeah, that was because when you were in the shower, I got dressed under the covers. That's what I did. So I would be ready. I was already on target for that. But um, when I when I look at that, though, I remember the early stages of talking to you and, and when I needed that support and I needed that direction because I thought when I was embarking upon uh, the leadership role that I was supposed to have all the answers immediately. I, I struggled right. so much with being able to take my time to process. You know, people were looking at me as a leader and there are obviously decisions we have to make right spot on decisions of course but I remember when I would call you and I remember writing notes and notes when you would give me direction but you didn't have that and yet you made such a huge huge strides in your uh, your leadership journey and your career and your business so if you were to have had that back when you first started how, how do you think that would look for you differently well, I think it would have been a lot easier. I think I, I think I would have done better, you know, early on uh, because I didn't have the coaching, mentoring right out of the gate. Fortunately, I did. I finally uh, got somebody, you know, uh, real quick. You know, he was a vice president of operations, but he saw. I guess he saw something in me, maybe you know, some more willingness than the than the other guys on the management team. So he really started, the first thing I remember him saying to me, he says, because I was, I thought I had to know everything and just do everything like you were mentioning mm-hmm. earlier. But really, the, the one thing I remember, the uh, principle that he said to me, he says, look, Bruce, it's not a question that you have to know all the answers. The re- what's really important, you got to know what are the important questions to ask. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, put a you know, light bulb went on in my head. I was afraid when anybody came up and asked me something to say, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I changed from saying, from trying to either, you know, make up, make up an answer or just spin it around. I would just say, look, I, I really don't know, but I'll get back to you. You know, that type of thing. And it really changed, changed a lot. But anyway, what he said to me is, besides those little nuggets, he says, look, Bruce, you really need to go to uh, seminars, workshops, read books, especially biographies. It really uh, start to acquire knowledge because you're trying to do everything from what you've already learned, you know, here, because you've worked here for a number of years. All you know is what other supervisors do, with the exception of my time in the in the Marine Corps, you know, four years before that. I had some, you know, disciplines more, you know, that equate to a military environment, environment not a business environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started really doing that, and I, it was amazing how much I found out that I didn't know. Mm, right, right. And, and I, I was just able to absorb a lot of that stuff, and I was able to move forward fairly quickly. Not that I was that good. Others just didn't want to make the investment. And so I made the investment, and I was able to, you know, get, uh, you know, moving along fairly, fairly quickly. No, that's great. That's great advice. I really like the questions because it really is true. And I remember one of my uh, bosses from a prior position said, you know, just it was a reminder that you have to 
first seek to understand and then be understood, right? So in order to understand, you have to really have those questions down. So that brings me to my next point. I I remember always uh, watching you with your yellow legal pads. I actually just bought a yellow legal pad the other day for the first time. And I thought, wow, I remember how you used to work right out of your briefcase on the couch with the yellow legal pads. But When I think back, I I remember being admiring your growth and your commitment to your own journey. You were always committed. You did not let anybody else take control of your progression and and your career. And you were self-educated and you put in the time and the effort. So um, what do you think the catalyst was for you to say yes to leadership? What was the catalyst? Well, you know, I worked in a union environment, and I was what they call a union steward. I represented the people on the floor, and I was always working with management, you know, to, you know, any issues that we had and try to get some, you know, mediate some issues and just to get a happy median between media, uh, excuse me, management and the, and, the, and the guys on the floor. And I think I got noticed there, and, you know, you know, people had said, uh, you know, you might want to think of management uh, someday, but I really had no desire and my wife, who happens to be, you know, your mom, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I was making about three dollars and ten cents an hour. Wow. And my my desire, geez, if I only get the five bucks an hour, if I can make ten grand a year, and you know, I, we we easy street, you know, that's how you know simplistic our, our thinking was back in the early seventies. So your mom would always say to me, he says, look, you're better than that. And uh, and besides, uh, you know, 100 bucks a week just ain't cutting it. <laughs> right. <laughs> By the Which way, it was. Yes. We were just getting, you know, going, as you know, if we went to, you know, I think the high point of our life was going to a little Mexican dinner. You know, McDonald's and things like that were big events, you know, because uh, we just didn't have the money. So that was uh, probably one of the catalysts. Your mom on one side and then some of the management folks, uh, you know, recognizing that. You know, I had a, a commitment to the company and to the, to the guys on the floor. So I think that helped. And when you are walking into these new positions and a lot of the education was self-driven and you put a lot of time into that, what do you think the scariest part was for you when, as as you know, you moved through many different titles and went all the way up to a vice president level in a major organization, highly recognized. And when you look at that, what do you think the scariest thing is for most people or even yourself as you're shifting levels and moving forward? Yeah, I think uh, the uh, sense of failure, you know, I was I was concerned about, am I going too fast? Am I getting too much responsibility too quick? Because I remember a consultant that one of the companies that hired, I think it was like a director of manufacturing and some fancy title like that, but I was only like 30 years old. And I remember him saying, you know, you're, you're one of the most youthful directors of manufacturing and uh, that I've come across. Usually uh, manufacturing directors have a lot of uh, whiskers or you know, experience and things like that. You know, so those those, uh, concerns, uh, because I was going too fast, and once again, I don't think it was that I was that good. I think it was that others didn't want to step up. So I said, sure, I'll do it, because as you know, with more responsibility, usually more compensation goes along with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, you know, make a difference in my family and, uh, you know, have a little more comfortable, you know, life. Nope, that makes sense. One thing you said that, you know, obviously fear is a common emotion that we feel as we're moving up. 
But you also said one of your concerns was definitely, are you getting too many responsibilities too quick? And it makes me think about that for a second. As a business owner, myself, I see other business owners doing that. They're piling on, they're taking on the responsibilities themselves too much, and they're not delegating powerfully. And then in the corporate arena, I see uh, leaders, you know, that are piling responsibilities on their best people uh, more and more and more responsibility, and they keep taking it and taking it and taking it. And and that's a that's a real concern is that business owners can do it to themselves, and and corporate leaders can do it to their team is just piling too many responsibilities too quick. Do you see that? Yeah, what they because that's the easy way. What, what I mean by the easiest way is we we tend as leaders or managers to go to our A players all the time, and we overload them. So from a from a owner standpoint, most of these folks uh, have come up through the ranks and they've invented uh, their product or service. Let's say they know how to make it, they know how to sell it, but they don't don't necessarily have all the business skills, you know, like delegating and understanding those concepts that they want to call every shot. So we not only do what business owners do, but also executives or you know the people in the business uh, the corporate world, you know, they they just go after their A players because they know they're going to get it done no matter what. It's easier to do that than to manage some of the, let's say, the uh, people that aren't carrying their weight because they have to manage them. They have to maybe even discipline them, give them more coaching and mentoring. And that's how it works. You know, uh, you know, in, in some people's eyes, it's easier just to go to the A player. Unfortunately, the A player ends up becoming a B and C player oftentimes because they're just going to look around and say, wait a minute, these other folks make more or as much as me and they work 40 hours or less and I'm here 50, 60 hours trying to do my job and whatever my, my, my boss or my my partners want me to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so true. You, you really, it's a disservice. It really is a disservice. You know, that's a good word, disservice, because you're really not leading the group, you know, making it easier for yourself. But once again, you're, you're, you're uh, actually, it's not fair to the individual. It's not fair to the business and not fair to the people that don't, they're not really carrying their weight because they don't know if they're good, doing good, bad, or indifferent if you're not communicating with them and holding them accountable. Yeah, so true. That's so true. Now, let me ask you this as we're wrapping up here in just a few uh, minutes. I, I wanted to ask you. Wrapping up? Uh, I thought we had two more hours. <laughs> um, but I want to ask you two questions, you know, from a dad perspective. So uh, you saw me, you saw me taking on uh, many different roles, you know, through my career and leadership career, and you saw me advancing. And I know that you saw me this past time. I had four promotions in 23 months. It was a lot to take on as a mother, um, as a career woman. What was your biggest worry about that? You know, from a dad perspective, seeing all those responsibilities, seeing all the travel, seeing the promotions, what was your biggest worry? Well, my biggest worry was, uh, you getting overloaded where it would affect things like your family, your health. You know, it wasn't a question. I I, I never uh, doubted you could handle it. You know, because you're very independent, fearless, high energy level, you know, uh, you know, which you have those those qualities that generally don't uh, end up in a resume, you know, those characteristics. So, you know, so that's what I worried about is getting overloaded and taking advantage of because of those qualities. People will say, well, let's give it a good old person to do it. 
you know, those are my concerns, you know, um, you know, because you are, you know, similar, well, not like me, you went, you went way faster than I did, is that you were getting, you know, larger chunks of responsibility, you know, which, uh, you know, that, that was my biggest concern. I remember calling you with one of my uh, vice president uh, promotions, and you were very happy, always supportive, very excited, but you said be careful because the higher you go in life and the more uh, corporations start to pay you, the more they own you. I remember that. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, they, in their mind, hey, if, I pay, if I'm going to pay you all this dough, I expect you to do this, that, and the other, which essentially, you know, what they want is your your full attention and family comes second whereas in in business leaders today it's got to be the other way around mm-hmm. you know you gotta have your family you know first and just saying well i'm gonna make more money so i can take care of my family that's a one-out excuse that's part of it but you can't get uh you can't be held hostage by a uh, by a business or a corporation because eventually you know you're either going to get worn out or there's just going to be minefields that you're going to walk through, and uh, eventually it's going to blow up somewhere along the line. So there's got to be balance there. That's so true, and a lot of people struggle with that. My last thing I want to ask you, I know you would drive this point uh, over and over again to me. It's in your bio that I uh, just announced before we got started. But uh, one of the biggest things and points that I, I believe in coaching strategies you use when you're working with business owners is you really want to steer them towards working on the business and not being stuck working in the business. You have to work on both. What does that mean? Can you explain to everyone what that philosophy is? Well, once again, most business owners are comfortable working in the business. You know, most of them have invented something or they can make it and they can sell it. And where they shy away from is some of the business development, like, uh, you know, uh, growing the business, uh, looking at marketing strategies and uh, working with the customer base, looking at competitive analysis and things like that that they, some don't view is very important. Uh, networking, going to getting established in the community, doing those sorts of things. So what I say is, and it's not a term I invented, I've just uh, learned it over the over the years and it means working on the business like your customers your business plan your marketing strategies uh, uh, developing your people those are working on the business in the business is once again making things and selling it it takes away from the uh, i believe growth opportunities not only uh, with the business itself but with uh, people um, you know, that work for you. I see it all the time, you know, eight, nine out of 10 uh, owners want to work in the business. And the ones that are very successful, they spend their time on the business and they allow others to work in the business. So they, they're okay with sharing responsibility and authority because, you know, so they can concentrate on things that'll continue to drive the, you know, the sales line and mm. things of like that. I love it. And you know what else I, um, also would say to that is I think that that's the same story for leaders, you know, in organizations, they keep moving from one thing to another, and they never have that time to drop into that space to download it to really think through their departmental needs to think through their employees, spend time with their employees, because they don't really have the option to just stop and brainstorm and create and develop. Right, they're going they're they're just running and gunning, and they're walking by people, you know, they, 
you know, it's probably not their intent, but that's how they're coming across. And as you know, people that work for us and uh, you know, these leadership positions, they're looking at us all the time, the way we walk, talk, look, sneeze, you know, what time we come to work, what time we leave, you know, and, uh, and a lot of it is because we're not doing a good job of working with them, coaching, you know, and mentoring and developing our skills so we could be better leaders. Now, I know that real quick, you know, half, you know, at some point in my learning process, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, I try to encompass, uh, you know, work at, I'm not perfect at it, but I was always working at uh, listening better, being an effective communicator, two way, not just one way, keeping my promises and telling the truth. Those are the four things that I worked around to keep, you know, working at, keep developing that. And like I said, all four of them, I was never perfect at, but I worked darn hard at it. Uh, you know, because at the end of the day, people don't care how smart you are. Right. They care. They really want to know, do you care about them? They don't care how much you know. And that's part of the, the dovetails into that servant leader that I, that I mentioned earlier. Oh, I, I love that. And I and I love the founding your principles and your concepts. And those are really easy to understand. And like you said, you know, you try to stay within the alignment of all of that. It made me think for a moment growing up as a kid, I can remember you said, if you're going to tell a story or you're not going to be truthful, you better have a good memory. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> why, that's why I embrace those skills because I didn't have a perfect memory. <laughs> I know that's so funny. Well, all right, my final thing here before we wrap up, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening to to this show. They are either business owners, they're trying to be leaders within their own homes and their own lives, or they're in their corporate arena. When we say, or I know for sure, I think this way, when we say the word leader and we're saying like live to lead or to step up, own your space as a leader, being a leader is an everyday job no matter where you are in life. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, leader, leader roles everywhere, person, in our personal lives and our business lives. Mm-hmm. It's so true to embrace that. Well, you're obviously going to be on the show a lot more. Uh, today's episode was just really introducing you, and I've titled it Live to Lead, A Daughter's Journey Through Leadership. As you know, that's the book that I'm writing because you've been so instrumental in my own success. And it's just really good to be able to have you as a coach and mentor personally. And I wanted other people to be able to experience that as well and hear from you and your words of wisdom because I'm asked so often, you know, who do you, who do you go to? And you've always been my number one person that I, I've gone to. So I do appreciate you being on the show. Is there anything, do you have any kind of words of wisdom or a final thought for business owners or leaders today? of maybe, you know, your best advice for them, no matter where they are in their careers or in their businesses, any, any final words for them? Yeah. Points, uh, one point that I always leave with people and it's always part of, you know, clients that I have, I continue to tell them to work at this and it is do what you say, not say what you do. In other words, when I first became a, a vice president, if you will, way back when, I couldn't wait to get my business cards so I could let everybody know that I was a, a vice president of operations. I asked my secretary, we called them secretaries in those days, when is it coming? When is it coming? Now, you know, I, you know, I wanted it 
so I can start handing them out and a big title. And that's an example of, you know, that's what you do, you know, but who cares? You know, you do what you say, back to the truth telling, the promise keeping and listening. Do what you say, not say what you do. Nobody cares about titles. Nobody cares. It's so true. It's a mask. It's a mask. Yeah, right. That's a good. That's a good analogy. That's it. Really is. It's a facade. You know what I mean. Now, but as you're coming up the ladder, you know, the titles are important. You know, uh, you know, but you, you have to in your own mind. That's why sometimes a third party or a, a person whispering in your ear, like a mentor or a coach, can help you distinguish uh, between. You know, is it a myth or is it a fact? You know, those. Oh, I love that. That's great final words. And it really reminds me because I think in the beginning of my own leadership career, one of the things that was a common denominator that you would tell me is to, to tune down the ego. Do you remember? That's right. Yeah. It, it was tough because we come because you come across uh, you can come across as arrogant. Right. Not having confidence. There's a difference between being arrogant and having an ego versus being confident. And, you know, those are delicate things, but our actions, it's, 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 a, it's a series of actions, not words. Too many people talk the way. So, you know, one of the things I try to work at is action, not words. Mm, perfect. At the end of the day, we're measured on results, not effort. Absolutely. And I remember when you told me about the ego, I started researching it and I came across this wonderful quote and uh, a reminder. It said, uh, when, when you're, when you're like working from a place of your ego, look at it like edging God out. That's a, there you go. I mean, that's a, that's a perfect analogy. It's when the, a doctor, let's say, calls to make a hotel reservation, he introduces himself. Hello, this is Dr. Smith. I'd like to make a reservation for tonight. You know what I mean? Nobody cares if he's a doctor or a brain surgeon or the president of the United States. You know? <laughs> he well, just needs a room. The United States might be important. <laughs> yeah, that might be different. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so honored that you're on this journey with me. This is episode one of many, and I know you'll be back on the show. So thank you so much. Hey, thanks for thinking of me. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. It is my true hope that you were able to take away some golden nuggets. They surely were embedded in there. More importantly, I hope that this episode reminds you that it is so important to have a coach, to have a mentor, to get to where you want to go in life or in your business professional journey. It is very lonely to do it alone and it's not necessary. There's just too much out there to shift through alone. So if you feel that coaching in your business or your personal life is something that you're really ready to step up, embrace, and take on, I invite you to check out my website at kristensmithworldwide.com. And if it's something you feel that you would like to embark upon, let's have a conversation. Until next time, be unstoppable.